So Money, episode 367, Mike Still. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. So Money is brought to you today by Wealthfront. Wealthfront is the most tax-efficient, low-cost, hassle-free way to invest. Now, many of you I know are interested in simplifying your investment strategy. You want to reduce fees. You want to work with a service that you trust. And Wealthfront delivers. It builds and manages your personalized, globally diversified portfolio. To open an account, the minimum is just $500, and that gets you a periodically rebalanced, diversified portfolio of low-cost index funds. There are zero trading fees, zero hidden fees, and advisory fees that are just a fraction of traditional advisors. In fact, Wealthfront manages your first $10,000 for free. To learn more and sign up, visit wealthfront.com forward slash so money. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to So Money. I am really excited. I'm going down memory lane today. I've invited back on the show. I've invited my friend from college. I haven't talked to him, honestly, probably not since I was like 21 years old. Mike Still is here. Mike Still, you're all going to know Mike Still. He's going to become a household name very soon, I promise you. So this makes this all the more exciting that we have him on the show now. Let me just tell you a little bit about Mike, okay? Going back, gosh, like 14 years, back to college, Mike was, and probably still is, this very charming cute, smart people person, I remember. Uh, We both were in the Honors College at Penn State. We were both also in a theater club, and he was a phenomenal actor, but also super talented in many other ways. You know, he was great in school. He was a great public speaker. I remember he was also like a really great leader. He um, just was somebody that like you wanted to hang around. He had good vibes. He was a good person. And honestly, I wouldn't have been surprised if 10, 15 years later, someone said, hey, remember Mike Still? Yeah, he's a neurosurgeon now. Or remember Mike Still? Like he runs General Electric. Or remember Mike Still? He's running for politics. But interestingly enough, Mike pursued his deepest passion, acting, and of course, became very successful in that because he just, that's who he is. That's how he's hardwired. Whatever he wants to do, he becomes successful. I remember actually seeing him after graduation, not in person, not on Facebook, but in an Ikea commercial, I believe, or maybe it was Verizon. Maybe it was both. He had a, He's had a very successful commercial acting career and also television and probably some film. I haven't IMDb'd him recently, but he's been very busy. And most recently, I saw him in an article in Fast Company magazine, and I quote, calling him the next Lorne Michaels. Yes the next Lorne Michaels. Mike is now the artistic director of the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in Los Angeles. It's an improvisational and sketch comedy training center. It's the only accredited improv and sketch comedy school in the country. Lots of SNL stars got started at the Upright Citizens Brigade, which is why I believe that Fast Company is calling Mike the next Lorne Michaels because his job is to find the next stars and to incubate them at the Upright Citizens Brigade. People like Amy Poehler, Matt Walsh, Rick Roman, Horatio Sands all came from UCB. And so Mike's in a pretty powerful position. Half 
have to say. And all the while, he's still trying to work in his own acting career. So we talk about that, kind of reconciling those two worlds. What he thinks is the quote-unquote it factor right now as people are trying to break through in comedy and acting. Since he's on the forefront of that, what's his take? Here is Mike Still. Mike Still, welcome to So Money. Hello, Farnoosh. Do you remember me? Of course. <laughs> How can we forget those days back at Penn State, the Honors College? We were so wide-eyed and optimistic about the world. I know. You're still not? I am. I, I think I am. I think I am. <laughs> and don't forget that we, we shared many uh, theatrical uh, engagements together. I don't know if we were actually together in the same play, but we were in the same, like I guess, performance club, No Refund. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, no Refund Theater was just the best. I mean, like, I I still I went back to a No Refund Theater reunion last year and it was the most fun thing. You did? I wasn't invited. Yeah. What? What? Okay. You need to get on. There's an NRT Facebook group. You need to get on it. And there's also an alumni listserv. I'll, I'll oh, there's a listserv. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. OK, I think yeah. I'm in the Facebook group, but I, for some reason, I'm not getting updates. Um, Very good to know. So, Mike. You're, I have to say, going back in down memory lane in college, always remember you fondly and so friendly, so charming, so smart. You were one of those people that, I don't know, you could have become a doctor, you could have become president, you could have become an actor, you could have become a lawyer. You are currently the artistic director of the Upright Citizens Brigade Brigade Theater in Los Angeles. I believe it was Fast Company that said you're the next Lauren Michaels. How did you, so is this, do you feel like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing or you're more or less, you've fallen into this because it it just, for whatever reason, life happens and this is where we end up? I tell you what, I am, I really like where I'm at with this job and career and everything. And um, I feel like it is where I'm supposed to be. I feel like um, I've always been someone that really loves doing creative things, making things happen. I love communities and uh, the UCB theater just has a huge, vibrant, wonderful community. And I think that it's something that, you know, every, every job has a community with it, but what's really cool about uh, acting and writing and this sort of like creative community is that it it remains that it remains a community. uh, You know, uh, people don't like winnow off and kind of, you know, become disconnected and just focused on their career. There, there's such a, um, uh, a, a mixing of career and life and everything. And, and I, I do love that. I love that a lot. Tell us what you do actually though. How, what is the artistic director? What are the responsibilities that you have? So, um, as artistic director, the main thing that I do is create the schedule at our theaters. And we have, um, two theaters, the, uh, uh, in Los Angeles, we also have our New York theaters, which is where I cut my teeth back in my twenties. Um, we have a UCB Franklin, which is our original space. It was originally the Tamarind Theater. It's been there for 11 years now on in uh, uh, Franklin Hills uh, in Hollywood. And now we have uh, UCB Sunset, um, which is a beautiful building, beautiful complex that has a uh, training center, classrooms in it, a cafe, um, studio production space, and our theater. And my main job is to put things on those stages. Um, and it's 
you know, it, it's a bit of a collective. We like to think of it as a creative collective. Like I'm not centrally creating every single show that goes up there. People are pitching shows to me. People are, have ideas for shows and I, I work with them to make sure it fits for a theater and it fits with our style and it fits with the level of uh, talent that we want to develop there. Uh, and then in addition to that, I'm also in charge of the house teams and the house teams are the, the show's that we put together. So it's uh, eight improv teams that we call Herald teams. And they're just full of the most, the funniest, uh, newest, greatest performers uh, and our sketch teams, which we call mod teams. And that's kind of our little joke. It's the Herald and mod teams. Uh, and that the, the uh, sketch teams create, there's eight teams. They have six writers and six actors on them each, and they do a whole new 30 minute sketch show every month. Um, and yeah, so those, that's like my main job. Uh, but like UCB is such a big community. Like we always talk about our, the, the talent page, right? And that's, uh, reflects the people that are performing currently at the theater. And that alone is 400, uh, people or so. And that's just the hosts and the people that are the show creators. It, that doesn't even include like people with smaller roles on shows and all the people helping out and the people that want to get on stage. So it's, it's a lot. It's a it's a big community. Do you ever get um, bribes? <laughs> oh my god! No, I. You know what? I don't. I wish I got more bribes. I mean, <laughs> why wouldn't you? I'm thinking you are the gatekeeper because let's be honest. UCB is home to the many famous people have have gone through the ranks there. Amy Poehler, um, Will Ferrell, a lot of the SNL castmates, and so. You're well, for some, not not Will Ferrell, but I not he, Will Ferrell. He's a groundling. He was gra- a groundling, oh. but he's wonderful. And his you know partner in crime on so much stuff, Adam McKay, was one of the original UCB back when UCB was just a uh, like sketch and improv team in Chicago. He was involved, so he he was involved with them back in the day, but he wasn't mm-hmm. involved in the theater. But uh, but yeah, so so many. Wonderful. It's a powerful role so that you have, though. How do you how, how do you identify with somebody that you see and say, okay, this person has it? What is it right now? Well, you know what i I think the way that I, I think about that, and it, like, there's not any one specific thing that I'm looking for or that UCB is looking for. And I, I feel like my job mainly and, and where UCB has excelled in New York over the last, you know, almost 20 years now in New York and, you know, here for over 10 years uh, is in creating space for people to figure out what it is on their own. Um, like, we, you know, we do have, you know, I, I'm very involved in the mod teams. I'm very, or the sketch teams, I should say. I'm very involved in making sure that, like, the quality is high. But I'm not getting in there and being like, you need to do comedy that's like this or you have to do comedy that's like this. Like, we like to think of it as a laboratory in terms of what people are going to make, what people are going to find funny, you know. And, and we're basically providing them with a stage that's, you know, low, low cost of entry. It's you know, the shows are mostly $5 and they've been $5 since we've opened, uh, or they're free if you're a student. Um, so we're giving people a way to connect with an audience and we're giving them space to figure out what is funny and what works and, and what their voice is. So in terms of like trying to figure out what the next thing is or what the, the, the thing that is, it is, it's not, I feel like I don't need to worry about that as much because as long as I create a space that where people feel like they can, you know, explore their creative voices, then, you know, they'll figure that out on their own, you know? And you are also an actor. Mm -hmm. How are you 
balancing these two worlds of you trying to build your own kind of presence in the acting world and 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 getting parts, and then you also curating the ne- the next actors, the next famous people that could go on to you know credit you for their for their stardom. Totally, I, you know it's it's such a balance, um, and I think that the the way that I've done it is is just to continue to make sure that I'm making things. I was thinking about this the other day that like sometimes it can feel as though it's like, Oh, I'm so busy. Why am I busy? It's like, Oh, I'm doing things, but am I making things? Um, and, and what I've been finding, uh, over the two years of doing this is like, as long as I'm making something, as long as I'm making something that like, this is a, a, a thing that I've made that I can show the world that expresses something that I find funny or something that I find interesting or something that I'm passionate about, then I feel happy with my own, you know, a creative voice and, and creative side of things. And then I try to, you know, let the, the community, uh, and, and the folks that are working so hard to get on stage and to stay on stage and to be vibrant on stage, you know, kind of inspire me to keep on doing stuff. Cause I, I you know, I, I like to think about the, this job as kind of being like, uh, you know, among peers, right? Like try to keep it pretty flat, uh, in terms of any sort of hierarchy, um, I think it's easier said than done because, I mean, I remember coming up through New York and just having such like kind of awe and respect of the artistic director there mm-hmm. who was Anthony King. And he was awesome. And now he's a writer on uh, Playing House and has done so many great things. He used to work on Broad City and stuff. Um, but like I think that like the, the important thing is not feeling as though there's this like extreme hierarchy because because comedy doesn't doesn't comedy abhors a hierarchy, you know, they're like, that's kind of the death of comedy as soon as it's like, well, this is the, you know, it can't, here's, here's the, you know, the ladder that you have to climb up to be funny. It's like, no, like we're funniest when we are, when we feel like there are no sacred cows and we can, you know, uh, make fun of whatever we want to. Uh, so, so I think keeping that balance has been like making sure that I'm making stuff and then I'm not just doing stuff because being busy can kind of be a, uh, you know, a, a, a fool's gold uh, sure. sort of thing. Um, yeah. I want to talk about money with you. Do you often talk about money? I don't think you probably <laughs> do. I, it's interesting. Like I, I've in the last year of need, I'm like, I, I want to get a financial advisor because I think one of the hardest things on a personal level, like uh, uh, for me, uh, you know, outside of UCB is you know, you're an actor, you just have all these different sources of income and that's trying to figure out like, how do you piece it together? Like there's some years where you're like, Oh, that I did great. Cause I've done a lot of commercials mm-hmm. and you have a year where commercials up a lot and you don't know what you're going to get till you get the residuals. And then the other years where you, you don't. So it's, yeah, it is a fascinating topic. I don't get to, I don't really talk about it a lot. Are you still making trips to the post office? Why? When you can get postage on demand. With Stamps.com, you can print your own postage at your convenience. I'm serious. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package using your own computer and printer. And unlike the post office, Stamps.com never closes, so you can get postage 24-7. And I'm a huge fan myself. Stamps.com saves me time, and time is money. When mailing my books or important contracts, I can easily 
get postage and send out mail without rushing to my local post office during its limited hours. Head on over to stamps.com where you can sign up today. They're offering my listeners a special deal with promo code SOMONEY. You'll get a four-week trial plus a $110 bonus offer, including postage and a digital scale. Don't wait. Go to stamps.com and before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in so money. That's stamps.com and enter so money. Before I ask you about your own personal finances and I get really nosy, I'm sure. curious about one more acting, one more question about acting. Cause I also flirted with the idea. It was like a five minute thought. And then I was like, wait, that's really scary because there's a lot of rejection. I think for women to, you know, just a lot of bad self-esteem problems. Oh, like, yeah, absolutely. Getting, you know, the parts go to the prettier girl, the the thinner girl. It's like it could it could kill you essentially. And so, how have you found your grounding in, in all of that? Because I'm sure you, in, in your own way, have felt have felt rege- have experienced rejection, experienced low points. How do you keep going? That, I mean, you're completely right. It's a it's there's nothing like acting like I I was making the joke I, I just got two cats and they're adorable uh, and I have a laser pointer <laughs> toy right and they chase this laser pointer and then it disappears as they're like about to grab it and I was thinking like you know what this laser pointer toy that they'll run at and then there's nothing there <laughs> it's like sometimes feels like now they know what <laughs> having a career in acting is <laughs> you just like run at this thing you're like there it is then it's just gone So you feel like in acting, there's just so much, there's constant rejection and there's, there's the desire to take it personally. Um, and I think that the way that I've dealt with it and it is still hard. I don't want to say that it's like not hard and I figured it out, but like the way that I've like dealt with it is just reminding myself that it's not personal, you know, that, that there's this just giant machine. I mean, like the Hollywood is, it's an industry, it's an industrial complex, that is created systems that are created to churn out entertainment, um, entertainments or pieces of entertainment. That is our product, right? So, you know, the actor is just one tiny, tiny piece in that, uh, one, one very small piece. Um, so, so reminding myself not to take it personally. Um, and then the other thing has been reorienting myself over the past couple of years to not only being an actor that is sitting, waiting for sides, waiting for my manager to call me and tell me I have an audition, even though that's great. And you have the audition and you get to prepare for it and you get to show people, you know, you, uh, you know, what, what you got. Um, but realizing like, oh, like I, you take the, what you can into your own hands you create what you can and it goes back to the making thing. Like don't sit around waiting if you're an actor. Uh, just, you know, make something, even if it's small, even if it's personal, even if you don't really show it to that many people. So that, that's been a way for me to deal with that and, you know, cope with like mm-hmm. what can be a very, feel very personal and feel like a very rejection oriented <laughs> career. Yes. Uh, just take it into your own hands. Well, I think what you're really, what I'm hearing is that you have to be entrepreneurial. In oh, anything yeah. that you do, really have ownership in what you're doing and re- not take a passive approach, which um, it's easy to, you know, just take the approach that I'm going to, um, I got to just let the world dictate what I'm going to do. I, I don't have control, but you actually do have a lot of control. Maybe you don't have control to get the big part in the big movie, but you you can still be very much practicing your craft and enjoying what you're doing. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Like, and, and you, you know, getting to be kind of in the, you know, the producer side of things now for a couple years, um, in terms of UCB and, and interacting with the industry so much is you realize that like, no one knows what they're doing, right? Like everyone is just being an expert and they are experts, but then they also, you can be an expert and not know what you're doing. So like, and I don't mean that like in a bad way. I mean it in the way of like, Hey, yeah, what you have an idea. Great. Let's hear your idea too. Most people are open to that because most people just want to, you know, do their job, go home, spend time with friends and family. And if you have cats, yeah, yeah, play with their cats, get out the laser pointer. Uh, (laughs) and, and if, if you like can just, Say, hey, here, I have this idea or I have this thing that, that's fun. And obviously you have to have the, you know, the people that can help you, you know, get in front of the people that, you know, can do things for you in terms of like getting budget and getting money behind something. But if you have those things, then it's like, great. People are happy to hear your ideas. They're happy that you're a maker. Absolutely. Good point. I hate saying absolutely. I feel like that's a crutch. Absolutely. I'd say it a lot. Do you I say think. it too? Uh, yeah. Sorry, people. I, but I really, I was, I was, <laughs> I was with you the whole way, Micah. This wasn't just a throwaway. Absolutely. Um, let's do some money questions. So, uh, sure. tell me a little bit about, you grew up in Lancaster, which is actually where my husband's from as well, Pennsylvania. Does anyone yeah. ever ask you if you were Amish? People ask my husband that all the time. I think they're being yes. funny, but it's not funny. <laughs> no, like sometimes people are being funny about it, but some people are like, seriously, like, oh, were, were you Amish? Did you leave though- the Amish people? I'm like, yeah, no, no. it's just a part of who lives there. It's not like, um, so, but growing up in what is kind of a rural part of the, the, the of the state, so, somewhat, I mean, although Lancaster is pretty hot and hip, hip and, and it is. hot to trot. Cool. It's becoming it's, a cool place to live. It is. Um, what was your What was your like foray into finance? Like, what was your? So let me ask this more simply. What, what's your biggest money memory as a kid growing up? I think like my money milestone as a kid. I remember when I went. I remember my dad going with me to open a savings account. I was originally. Uh, I spent like the early part of my childhood in, in Wilmington, Delaware, which is still down, you know, by there in, in mid Atlantic. And I, I, uh, I remember my dad and I going and opening a, uh, savings account at Wilmington trust. I think he put like $20 in it, but it was like a moment. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, this, that's my money. And then I remember, and now, now I'm thinking about like the branding of Wilmington trust, which was brown and light yellow or something tan. I don't know why I remember that. Uh, but so <laughs> just yeah, the power of bank branding. The things but like, I remember that my bank had lollipops. That's all I remember. Oh yeah. All definitely lollipops. Like yeah. And um those tubes, man. Just those tubes. But uh No, they don't have those anymore. No, no cuz no one's like depositing checks like that. No, no. one's just our phones. Ugh. We need more pneumatic tubes uh, <laughs> just everywhere. And then my other money memory was in fifth grade. I remember saving up to get a Super Nintendo and being very proud that I saved up the $200 to do that like all summer. That's and a lot of money for it was. Kid. Mm-hmm. It was. I, I'm, yeah. I think I just, just, yeah. Just, I like you know, that story. Uh, yeah. So are you, a, are you a pretty good saver now as an adult? Yeah. I, you know, I, I try to be, I, you know, I'm not, I think the thing that's, um, what's tough is like where, how much, how much are you supposed to save or how much, you know, like I I always think about in terms of financial advice, like, you know, having been an actor for about 10 years, 12 years 
like if I just put my, my income out in front of someone for 10 years or so, how much should I have saved? Could they like, was there be like, Oh, you could have afforded a house by now, or you could have done this. Mm. You could have. (laughs) Well, see the goal, the trick is to first, if hopefully 10 years ago, you were like, I want to buy a house. And right. this is what it's going to cost. That's why your money is meaningless and you don't know how much you're really supposed to save until you identify your goals because then suddenly you have direction. Right. Without a goal, it's like what? It's just, it, does, it is meaningless. It's just paper. It's, and it's just, I mean, if you don't know what you need, then you just buy things you don't need. And that's the yeah. problem I think a lot of people run into. But that the good news is that to really know what to do with your money, don't think about money. Think about what you want to do, goals, right. achievements, and then those carry price tags. And so you save accordingly. That makes that makes so much sense. And I, I think that one of the things that, you know, I've been, I've been in L.A. now for almost five years, a uh, little over four years. And um I think that living in New York for most of my twenties, you have like a different priority in terms of like what (laughs) the material things you want out of the world, you know? So you get here and you're like, Oh yeah. Houses. That's what I forgot. That's a thing that everyone wants. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think you'll be in LA for the long haul? I see myself being here for a a good amount of time. I think um, there's, there's an interesting, you know, the actor kind of handcuffs our New York and LA. It's like one or the other, which at first is like, great. You're, you know, they're one great cities. Uh, living in New York was just the time of my life, you know? Um, and LA beautiful city. I mean, California is just so wonderful. Um, but so I see, I see it the long haul. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's ask another money question, personal money question. What's a failure that you experience with your money that you're willing to share and maybe you want to share it because you, you can talk about how you worked your way through it. Sure. Um, what's a what's a money failure? Uh, something that, oh, you know what? I, I don't know if this is a failure, but I'll say something that was like unexpected, which is like, oh, OK. Yeah, that's an extra expense. I'm, <laughs> I, I love cars. And I, 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 that's something that you get to do in Los Angeles is you get to have great cars, right? Like or, or get to see cars all the time. People they are like, oh, I got to drive everywhere. I'm like, that's great. You get to drive everywhere. You get to have this cool machine that's like out of sci-fi, but we all just take it for granted because like we're spoiled. Um, so I just, last year I rented a, or, or leased a car, which I'm so excited about. It wasn't that much more than the lease I'd had before. Uh, and, and I was like, oh, great. But then I forgot that it was, so it was a sports car and I, a Mustang, which they're great. The new 2015 Mustang, beautiful redesign, mm. EcoBoost engine. So it's not crazy on the mileage. Um, but I forgot that insurance goes so much up so much. <laughs> what if you have when a you have a sports car? car? Yeah. I went from like yes. a little hatchback to like a sports car and I was like, Oh, my insurance like doubled. And it was like, Oh, that was a, uh, in terms of like thinking about all of the dimensions of like what something would cost, all the hidden costs of something, mm. it kind of like overlooked it. I was do like, you oh, still, yeah. do you have the Mustang now? Or are I, you? I still do, and it's it's all you know. I, I feel fine in terms of financing with it, uh, finances yeah. with it. Uh, it's all you know. Um, it's, it's all worked out and everything. Trade offs. Like, oh, what did you trade off for that? <laughs> Was there anything directly that you traded off? In terms of that car, I think that um, you, you, uh, for that car specifically, you, you trade off roomy back seats. 
<laughs> That's like, a trade off. Like, you know, insurance is three hundred dollars more a year or whatever. So I'm going to eat peanut butter and jelly more often. Um, oh, yeah. I, I would say that um, in terms of trade offs for that, um, what did I do with that? I think that I just tried to make more money. <laughs> yeah, good answer. <laughs> like, That's money. a really good answer. We talk a lot about this on the show. Is that you know, there's a limit to how much you can save. There's not really a limit to how much you can earn. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. That's, that's true. You can always, you can adjust how much you're putting away, but yeah, there's no ceiling. No. As an actor, how do you negotiate your pay? Is there any wiggle room? There absolutely is. And I think that it's the, the, the thing that I always tell people or the advice I always give is just like, you know, make sure you're getting paid, make sure you pay yourself. Right. Um, and make sure that you value yourself rather. Um, there's, there is wiggle room. You start out, you're doing like non-union jobs because you're not in the union and non-union jobs are, they don't pay well and they're bad. And something that, that you need to do as quickly as you can. There's no reason to put it off. People say, well, wait till you have some credits under it. That's, that's bull crap (laughs) to to censor myself. Get in (laughs) SAG after as quickly as you can. Mm. It's the, it's the main way that actors have leverage, uh, again, you know, in terms of negotiations, because with SAG-AFTRA, then you have this great union that works very hard for actors, making sure that you are getting paid, that you have money that's going towards healthcare. It's, it's a really, really wonderful union because if you don't have it, if, if you don't have SAG-AFTRA, like you, the actor can't stand up to Viacom. No. You can't do it. And Viacom and all of these other, you know, major corporations are doing everything they can to push non-union projects. So you're a young actor. Great. A thousand dollars a show sounds great. Two thousand dollars a show sounds great. It's like, okay, well, in the past, people used to make 30 times that. Right. Wow. So so the, the quickest thing an actor can do to have leverage is to get involved in the union. I, mm-hmm. I really I feel very strongly about that. Well, this has been such an eye-opening conversation. I never have talked to anybody with your role ever on the show. And I hope that's kind of my goal for this year is to really expand the the roster of guests for this show where so it's not just people who have insights into the financial world, but people from all walks of life who are doing amazing things. I'm uh, tell us what 2016 is in, has in store for you and for for the Upright Citizens Brigade. I tell you what, on a, on a personal level, I'm really excited. We were talking about like making things. Um, uh, I, I have a show in the works for, uh, uh, well, something I can't announce it yet, uh, but it will be announced um, soonish. That Now that sounds stupid. That's like one of those Facebook statuses where people are like, I got something I want to talk about, but I can't yet. Yeah. Um, but but uh, uh, so what else is in the works uh, uh, at, at UCB is, you know, we're, we're still so excited about UCB Sunset and its potential as a space. We've been, it's been open for a little over a year at this point. Um, and just, you know, really, really, uh, uh, it's like to like see, keep seeing it grow and keep seeing a generation of, of performers, uh, coming up through it. Like the, the, the right now UCB, the, the, I'm so proud of like how diverse things have gotten at UCB. Like we are, our, our house teams are, are 30% people of color. Like it's, I, wow. I just love it's And it's something that I love bragging about because like, you know, seeing as like what happened with the Oscars this year and, <laughs> and just like, mm, yeah. Uh, uh, and I really think that, 
even though the Oscars don't reflect it, Hollywood Hollywood has been working super hard to make sure that like the the product, the entertainment product that is being produced really reflects our country. Um, and uh, uh, let's see what else. And, uh, I have a new podcast coming out. No through, way. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, That's exciting. I'm going to yeah. totally subscribe. Totally. Please do. It's called Hard Nation and it's on uh, the Earwolf Network. And it's uh, me basically, uh, uh, me and my and my buddy Paul Welsh. Uh, it's a political podcast where we have people on doing impressions of politicians nice. and stuff. Our first one, which I think is just dropped today, uh, or I don't know when this oh, is released, but all right. uh, I, yeah, it, uh, it's Anthony Antamanic as uh, Donald Trump. Very funny. Uh, I, I play a super conservative guy on it. So I'm. I'm oh, my <laughs> gosh, Mike. This is so great. I'm, I love hearing this. You're out there creating. We need more um, more Mike Stills in the world. What can oh, I say? I mean, hopefully not in the casting rooms. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, thank you so much. We're going to keep an eye out for that new show that you're not telling us what it is, but we'll, you know, we'll what figure jerk, it out right? soon enough. <laughs> and, if, and your podcast. Thank you so much. It's great to reconnect with you. You too, Farnoosh. That's a wrap. If you'd like to follow Mike, and please do, because life will just be better, go on Twitter at Mike Still and stay tuned because Mike is probably coming to a television or internet show near you. All this information over at somoneypodcast.com in case you missed any of it, whether it was the audio or the transcript. If you want to leave a comment for the show, please do. I'd love to hear from you. Check out somoneypodcast.com. And of course, while you're there, you know what to do, right? Click on Ask Farnoosh. Please send me a question. I love hearing from you. I want to know what's on your money mind so I can answer your questions and make this show more about you. Thanks again for tuning in, everyone. Hope your day is, wait for it, so money. So money.